It's the Field of Vision podcast with your host, Jordan Eisen. How's it going, everybody? And welcome into the Field of Vision podcast. Joining me today, Nick Pollock of PitcherList. He's a pretty big name in the industry. PitcherList is a pretty big deal, too, in the industry. And to my understanding, you are um, pretty much like do everything over there. Uh, so, of course, as the name uh, references, they focus a lot on pitchers. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, starting pitcher preview. It's going to be another one of these quick precision previews. We, I can't like, I don't have enough time to, uh, do like five starting pitcher episodes, just kind of have to fit everything into one. And that's what we're going to be doing today. Um, but Nick, do you want to kind of re- uh, talk about what you do over at pitcher list and what pitcher list is all about? Sure. Uh, Yeah, what is happening? Thanks so much for having me here, Jordan. I'm excited to talk about pitching with you. Um, And stop lying. I am not big in the industry. We are not huge in the industry. Stop that. Uh, But yeah, we we do everything. You know, I I focus on starting pitching. I've been doing it for ages. I used to pitch in college. And uh, I I joke that I added, you know, over 100 people just to write about hitting because I didn't want to. Uh, That's why we were the number one ranked catcher rankings last year. Not me. That was Dave Sherman, uh, who I who gave me his catcher rankings and did those on the site for us. Um, apparently, fantasy pros liked ours the most, which Dave is amazing. So, yeah, you can get everything you need at PitcherList. Uh, but I'm just stoked today because we get to talk about pitcher rankings. And that's what March is all about, isn't it? Yeah. And pitching this year is definitely a pretty big topic to focus on. Um, I don't really specialize in like hitting or pitching uh per Mm -hmm. se but i do think i'm better at assessing hitters just because um there is the stats i i think Statcast is more accurate for hitters um there's more saber metrics to look at for pitching you kind of need to like understand their arsenal and like if this guy adds a curveball could really open up his other pitches and i mean sure i do understand that the more pitches you have the better the better those pitches are the better but i don't have a quite the complex understanding of like what pitches fit together and like who needs to do what to break out um Mm. so that's a big reason why i'm looking forward to talking to you today because maybe you have some nuggets we can touch on um but i do think i like have a general sense of who's good and who's not so i mean um, i i have a general rule uh that might help a lot with uh figuring that out is essentially you need three things it doesn't really need to be three pitches it could be two i uh, but you essentially need two different pitches you can throw for a strike confidently and i'm not just saying like getting over the plate like you know lorenzen's sinker last year he threw strikes with it but it also got crushed so that's not necessarily something that you want right uh two pitches in your arsenal that you can trust at any given time to get a strike confidently and then you need one other pitch that is in your back pocket that you can always get a whiff with. Now, sometimes if you're like Denilson Lomet, that slider does everything. And then he also has his fastball. So that actually kind of works as a two-pitch mix. Sometimes you see guys with four pitches and you, sometimes you get like two whiff pitches in there. But the most important one I think that people forget about is that, sec- that secondary pitch 
that you can throw for strikes. And that's kind of like the problem with Glasnow right now, for example, and why he's trying to mess around with a slider or something else to get him strikes. Eduardo Rodriguez has struggled with it with his fastball changeup combination. Is that slider cutter good enough to throw for strikes confidently? So oftentimes when we talk about like that missing pitch, it's about is what is he missing along, uh, you know, as far as getting a whiff pitch or a secondary strike pitch. And we have to figure out what that other option could be. And I know a big problem with Chris Paddock, a lot of blame is being uh, put onto his two pitch mix not being enough. Um, Mm -hmm. And of course, he's going to keep on trying to develop new pitches. But yeah, things like that and just like understanding um, who needs to do what and like having a good sense of everybody's arsenal. I'm not quite there, but hopefully... Uh, this show opens up some of that, uh, com- some of those complexities to me. Uh, but let's start from the top, the best in the game, really. Jacob Degrom. Uh, this is again same as previous shows. We've got the fantasy pros like positional ADP and overall ADP, and uh, I-, I took out some guys that fantasy pros has as sparps that like really aren't sparps. In most leagues, just Fantasy Pros has weird eligibility. So mm-hmm. um, I took those guys out and updated the positional ranks. But anyways, so we've got Jacob DeGrom, number one, Garrett Cole, number two, Shane Bieber, number three, Trevor Bauer, you Darvish, and Lucas Giolito. So Nick, is there anyone here that really stands out to you as being your guy or someone you really dislike or anything? I... I really like Lucas Giolito. Um, mm-hmm. If I can get him in the third round of a 12-team league, like I feel good about that draft pretty much by default. Like If I can start out with Trey Turner, some sort of hitter or something, uh, maybe a pitcher, and then turn around, take another pitcher, and then take Lucas Giolito, like that, that team's going to be loaded. And I mean, his ADP is high. He's going 19th overall. But if you can snag him in the third or even late second in a, a 15-teamer, like that's a great deal. And then I'm fine with him at his ADP. I, I like him more than uh, Trevor Bauer. And yeah, I, I'm a big fan of his. More, I like him more than you, Darvish. That's my guy from this tier. Is there anyone that stands out to you? Sure. I... Yeah, Lucas Giulio, I think, is my number five this year. So I'm in most mostly agreement with you about Giolito. The fact that he's going to get a lot of innings, I imagine, at least 180 with Tony La Russa there. Um, and yeah, a very good team behind him. And he's actually trying to figure out his slider a bit. Hopefully becomes a more confident uh, option to get strikes when he has an amazing fastball changeup combination. I don't really like Trevor Bauer for this year just because it's too much of a risk if I'm going for a starter in the first two rounds, essentially that you have to do that to get Bauer um, pretty much as your SB one. Of course, there's just too much haze about how he's going to perform. He had one of the easiest schedules of any starting pitcher last year, pitching for the Reds in the NL central. He's used uh, sticky stuff. We know this uh, that made him have the highest spin rates of anyone last year. And we don't really know if he's going to be able to do that again. Uh, meanwhile, you have like you Darvish who figured it out in the second half of 2019. We were really excited for it entering last year and he just exploded with it. Right. An amazing cutter, a fastball that he's finally fixed 
and then like 20 different secondary pitches to miss bats. I mean, it's an amazing slider, a knuckle curve, a splitter. He's got the shoe toe that I actually used to throw in college, which is essentially a very aggressive um, two-seamer. But instead of putting the, um, the emphasis on like how the ball is spinning one way, you kind of do like a reverse cutter. Um, it, it, he's really good. Okay. <laughs> and, and the Padres are going to push him for 180 innings. I'm sure uh, I'm, I feel would feel very secure, uh, with Darvish in there. I would shoot up, uh, Aaron Nola into that same tier too. I have him above Trevor Bauer. I, I just very much believe that, that Nola is going to give you close to 200 innings of high quality baseball. And like, that's that's a huge thing for your fantasy teams this year. It's about volume and quality volume. And there are very few that you can depend on to give you 180 or more this season. And Aaron Nola is one of them. So in this tier, I do have Trevor Bauer last. And I do have uh, Aaron Nola one spot behind him. And I've been very back and forth. It's hard for me to decide who I should put ahead. But yeah, I agree. If you're taking a pitcher in the first two rounds, you want to be like positive that they're going to be great, uh, at, at least ignoring injury. Like you can't be positive right. about any starting pitcher. But it, let's just say if everyone's healthy, you want to be positive that they're going to be great. I feel pretty good about Trevor Bauer being great, but uh, there are other guys like they all have huge ceilings. Everyone in these first sure. couple rounds, and then some of them. I mean, Trevor Bauer has a low floor. I think Walker Bueller does. We'll surely talk about him. What? Max, Max Jordan. It's it's the innings what? pitch. We'll we'll talk about. Well, yeah, but the, uh, but okay. So the quality floor though is not low. True. Yeah, he's not going to ruin your team. Right. But he might have like a phantom IL stint or something. Well, I mean, yeah, the, the Dodgers pitch. are going to certainly uh, tweak him a little bit. Um, I, I need to address this right now, Jordan. I can't. I can't hold it back. It's not- you're fine. Okay. It's I'm, I'm looking here and I'm seeing team. I'm seeing Walker Bueller at 11 and Zach Gallon at 10. And uh, so so I want you to give me the argument as to why Gallon is above Bueller. Okay, so if they all if they both pitched, let's just say 180 innings, Bueller would be better. Of course, like Bueller would probably belong in the first tier with Giolito and Darvish. Um I just don't think at all he'll pitch 180 innings i think it'll be closer to 120 ish like the most innings he's ever pitched was in 2019 and that was 180 but other than that like he just hasn't pitched enough innings for me um and he will be a difference maker when he is pitching but if you're playing in roto uh, and it's even more exaggerated in points and points i might have him lower my rankings are for roto and um, even in Roto, though, like figure he pitches 120 innings and he has a 3.0 ERA, like that's still a great pitcher. It's just like, would you rather have that or Zach Gallen with a 3.25 ERA through 180 innings? Like, because I think later on, there are a lot of guys you can get that um, might have bad ratios but decent innings, um, just like that seemingly endless list of starting pitchers that have that project for a 4.0 ERA, and like just seem like they'll be a pretty standard starter in terms of innings. Um, but 
Walker Bueller, like, if he gets you only 120 innings, but he does have a greater ERA, it's just like his denominator is not big enough because it's earned runs over innings pitched. So that denominator really isn't big enough for me to consider him a huge difference maker. I still like him. Man, like, 120 innings for Bueller is that's so low. And uh, there's a lot of concern. He pitched 36 talk- last year. I understand, but the Dodgers aren't just going to... It's not going to be 120 innings for Bueller. I mean, I think what people are expecting about 150, 160 uh, for Walker Bueller, which is actually the same for Zach Gallon. actually came out and said that they are going to put some sort of limit on Gallon this year. I was hoping that it would be about, about 170 or so for Gallon. It is the hardest thing, by the way, those year to predict innings. Um, but you're not going to every team when he comes to like, okay, we're going to limit innings based on what happened in 2020. Um, essentially that means 140 to 150 is the floor for that. Think of it like Chris Paddock coming into the majors after pitching in double a and they're like, okay, we have to limit him. So he pitched 140 innings in 2019, right? That's, and you have like Jose Fernandez when he came back from Tommy John, he was limited to 150 innings or so that that's kind of the the limit that they push guys in the majors 120 for the Dodgers oh that that is that is I think a little too far on it um yeah if you, I also that's how you, I also that's do how you just, believe if, I also do you, just really like Zach Gallon. like I mean I trust you. you're talking to the gallon gal himself okay I I, I am the biggest <laughs> fan of what gallon can do but I mean, the, as far as innings goes, I'm willing to bet that Gallon and Bueller are going to be within five innings of each other, if not Bueller actually throwing more in some cases. So uh, there's a, I, I'll also mention that if you have 120 innings for Bueller, he wouldn't he wouldn't be 11 to me. He'd be probably closer to 30 um, because you got to yeah, deal well, with that roster spot the entire year. Yeah, if you, if yeah. you're only getting 120 innings out of a roster spot, it's going to be. Uh, that's a huge investment to make. Uh, so, if, there, if there's no injury, I think 120 is close to his minimum, and maybe uh, 160 is closer to his maximum, like somewhere in that range. So maybe we should call it something closer to 140. Um, but, but, but then and, if there's an, why, the thing is, if there's an injury, then that eats into the already uh, given um, inning suppression, right? So let's say exactly. he gets injured for a month, then that doesn't you don't take away that month and then minus it from the expected one sixty. You know he, that, that's he's a just... tough one because <laughs> it is absolutely, and I'm not going to sit here and say like I know how many innings these guys get. That's that'd be a stupid thing to do, Jordan. Because <laughs> I do, I do think it's possible that he's just great. Dodgers give him a decent workload now that there's a standard spring training. Because last year a big problem with him is he like. Pitched six innings one time. He pitched more than five innings one the another time, and then like, uh, all but two of the rest of his starts were all under five innings. Like, he just didn't go deep into games. So maybe that was just kind of his ramp up period, and now he's getting a normal spring training, and he'll be fine and pitch one seventy five or so. Uh, so like you have to account for that because he has huge upside. It's just like. With guys going around him like Zach, Ga- like I'd rather have Zach Allen because I, I guess this is just where I depart from you. I think Zach Allen seems like he'll have a healthy workload, and Walker Bueller won't. I think they're both great pitchers. Probably Walker Bueller's a little bit better, but 
I feel better enough about Zach Gallen's workload than Bueller's to put him a couple spots higher. Like in my overall rankings, I go here. Let's see. So I have. And got, I, I just want to make sure this is clear. I love Zach Gallen. Yeah, I, 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 he is. Uh, from the second he showed up in the bigs, the first game against the Cardinals, I remember him striking out Goldschmidt on a three-two changeup under the zone. That was just beautiful. Uh, and I, I love his three pitch, uh, sorry, his four pitch mix with three confident secondaries. It, it's the recent news that they are going to limit Gallon um, does have me putting him from, I think I had him at 12. Now he's going to be closer to 15, I think. Um, while I expect more innings from Jack Flaherty, I expect more innings from Brandon Woodruff, um, Lance Lynn, uh, and I expect more innings from Walker Bueller and Kershaw, honestly, at this point. Because the Diamondbacks have right. no reason, the Diamondbacks have no reason to push Gallon, and they even outwardly said, "Like, yeah, we are going to limit him." So I'd be expecting 150, 160 from Gallon as opposed to 170, 180, and I think that does make uh, an impact. But you could, I mean, look, the Dodgers are weird, and I call it Dodgeritis because they, this is how they treat them, and maybe Bueller, you know, they do what they did last year, which was they they ramped him up just for the playoffs. Because that's all that mattered. Yeah. Because the there's Dodgers had much, it locked. For me, there's pretty much just like more downside for him than Gallon, and then Nola or Scherzer, Castillo. Like, I I think he has a much lower floor because I do think it's definitely in his realm of possibilities to get a uh, 120 innings pitched. I do think it'll be closer to 140, but that's still not too much. Man, that's um, a very, very conservative one. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But yeah. uh, but I realized that we only have, I don't know, another uh, 45 minutes or so, and we've got <laughs> so many pitchers left to cover. Yeah, we have a lot of guys, so let's move on. Um, let, anyone else in this second tier you're interested in? And Aaron Nola, Max Scherzer, Luis Castillo, Clayton Kershaw, Jack Flaherty. Um, I think in some ways that we are underestimating Clayton Kershaw as well, um, considering he's never hurt your team. And uh, as far as innings goes, he's going to throw as many as he possibly can. Uh, I think the Dodgers aren't going to limit him. It's just based on his, is he healthy enough? Uh, so in that respect, it's, I think a lot of people are kind of overlooking him for someone like Jack Flaherty. Um, and it's like, but you're getting amazing production out of Clayton Kershaw. So I find myself leaning a little bit there. Well, Luis Castillo has only had one season under a 120 whip. And I think that's always going to be a problem with him. Uh, I don't think he has that ultimate ceiling of a sub three ERA with like a 105 whip uh, in Castillo's future. So uh, it makes me pull him down a little bit. I think he's going to be a little bit more volatile, and a little bit more annoying on the ratios than others around him. But yeah, I mean, Castillo, this is so fun. Like seeing Nola Castillo Gallon in your top 10. And I remember when each of those guys came up, how much I was fawning over them. And so excited, you know, to see them now on such a um, getting so much praise around the league. It, it makes me yeah. happy inside. I think they're really good. Um, just, yeah, this tier, I, I like this second group uh, really other than Bueller, but maybe I'm wrong there. I do like the second group. Like I have uh, Clayton Kershaw one spot lower than the ADP, but I have him. Definitely higher in my overall than uh, his ADP. Like I have nothing against him. Mm -hmm. Might just be more 
of a Zach Gallon testament than anything else. Sure. Um, yeah, I like that group. This group's also pretty interesting. They have a lot more guys that are very concerning with the innings limit. Um, Brandon Woodruff, he's confusing to me, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. Zach Gallen, uh, Blake Snell, Kenta Maeda, Lance Lynn, Tyler Glasnow, Corbin Burns, and Carlos Carrasco. So, I mean, we know Lance Lynn's going to pitch a lot. We're pretty sure Brandon Woodruff is going to pitch a lot. And everyone else is a bit of a question. Um, is there anyone that you do or don't like from here? I mean, this is aggressive with Corbin Burns at 14, and you could be right about it. Uh, there's two problems I see that have me conservatively not ranking Burns inside my top 20. I think he's actually currently outside the top 25. I might put him actually a little bit higher than my current rank, I think, of 30. Um, but there's two problems with Burns. One, the Brewers have said we are going to slap 100 innings on everybody. Burns threw under 60 innings last year. If you want to talk about a guy that is not going to go and have a lot of volume this year, Corbin Burns is one of them. Um, about 150 is what you should expect um, this season. The other aspect... I, I did just move Corbin Burns below uh, Brandon Woodruff, by the way. So, Well, uh, that's still that, at 15, though, I imagine. Yeah, I still um, like him a lot. Right, so Burns is, is, is... When it comes to this year, I'm very much on the side of removing as much risk as I can. That's why I have Bauer outside of my top... Uh, I think Bauer at nine at the moment. And Burns is someone that... We can't just accept that 2020 is him. Um, it, this was someone who really struggled, uh, had a fastball that was getting hit way too hard, and he leaned into the cut action of that fastball, turned that into a full-on cutter, and then finally had a lot of success with it, which is great. But it was under it was a very small sample. He had only like a handful of actual starts last year. Some of them were three innings and four innings, and it was. It felt like the halfway point of the seasons when Burns actually started to get going. I uh, he's good at pitch separation, cutters away and sinkers inside to right-handers. Has this really nice slider that still has a, a swing strike rate over twenty-five percent, which is elite for any pitch, let alone a slider. It, it's just it was such a small sample, and Corbin Burns could really hurt teams. It, it's not a guarantee that that's who he is forever now. I mean, he, I'm talking like 35 innings of normal starting from Burns. It's like a month's worth. That's it. And you're, you're putting him next to, say, like Brandon Woodruff, who has shown it now for a full season and more. Uh, Blake Snell, who, I mean, even at his worst, really is still productive for you. Kenta Maeda is at 20 for you. And he is he is amazing. He's essentially did what he we've been expecting for ages last year with the Twins. Um, his swing strike rate last year, Kenta Maeda, was the third highest of the decade and would have actually been the first if it weren't for Jacob deGrom and Shane Bieber, who each beat him last year um, with his overall swing strike rate of 17.3%, which is seriously, that is crazy, crazy good. We get excited when guys have a 12% overall swing strike rate. Uh, you have Lance Lynn, who is locked in essentially for 200 innings, like the only guy this year that you're going to get 200 innings from is Lance Lynn, and it's going to be productive innings. And essentially, the question becomes, if you want to compare like Lynn to Burns, is 200 innings versus 150. 
literally Burns has to be 33% more productive than Lance Lynn, right? To justify that, that you want to go for his 150 over Lance Lynn's 200, right? And that to me is like, well, I don't think it's that large of a gap. Lance Lynn's still going to have a 25% strikeout rate. The ratios are going to be good. Sure, they're not going to be like a sub three ERA, but I don't really think that from Burns either. Uh, I think the whip is going to be definitely higher for Burns uh, as far as from last year. So I have I have a lot of these guys above Corbin Burns. It's just a lot of risk. I like seeing you putting Matt 14, though, because I like that. Like, I want that to become, you know, I want that to actually come to fruition. Right. I want Burns to be that good because I think baseball is better when you have so many young, incredible arms. But for me, when I'm doing my drafts, I have to be more conservative and not be the one that that risks a lot when I know I'm going to get more consistent value with the other guys. I just think Burns is good. Like, yeah, he is. He, he had he had a nine ERA in 2019. That's that's not happening because like his stranded rate was really oddly low. Home run to fly ball rate was very high. Like there were just a lot of things that were off um and his xfip like compared to that nine era his xfip was 3.37 we went lower than 3.37 era maybe but i mean when, when you have a nine era that's that's a pretty big difference also just his stuff has always been amazing really so um that is something else to think about i i just think he's really good and that's probably what it comes down to his innings pitched are definitely concerning, and if it weren't for that, I might have him a lot higher. I'm buying into his um, small sample because I liked him before last year, so I'm kind of letting that confirm oh, my bias. I remember um, watching the Cubs game uh, at the Pitcherless Meetup in 2019. I think it was like his second or third start of the year, and he allowed three home runs, and it was just pain because I was... <laughs> I did a lot of debating between Burns and Woodruff starting before 2019. I was on the Burns train. You know, I, I certainly was suggesting picking him up before 2019. Didn't yeah. work out. I'm happy he made those adjustments. It's just, it, you know, we don't know. We really just don't know if he is going to hold it or not. Um, you know, I, I, I do a, uh, sorry to ramble here. I do like a, an article every single day in the year called the SP Roundup that tracks and and tells you everything from yesterday's games about every starter. I go there and write a blurb about that start. Right. And I see throughout every single season, I see these month bubbles of guys performing super well. And it's always this, this moment of, okay, he's doing this thing now, but I don't know if he's going to keep doing it. And in many ways last year, uh, that's what we got. We just got this little bubble we didn't get a full season. We and many, many guys that we are in or on or out on, it's not even the full sixty games, right? It's just even in Burns's case, it's like half of that. Uh, we're like six starts, seven starts. Like Plesac is on here, twenty eight. We only got eight total outings from Plesac, and I actually have him around the same place that you do. Uh, it, it's such a hard, hard thing to. Uh, to assess and like, is this going to actually carry through for a full season now? Or is this just one of those bubbles? Um, and the more that you can remove that question, the better off you'll be. Uh, 
it's okay. You can miss out on the next Shane Bieber and still win your fantasy league. It's all right. Yeah. There are going to be so many other guys that will help you get there. Yeah. And as for the other guys that you um, brought up in uh, Blake Snell, Kenta Maeda, and Lance Lynn, my rebuttal to uh, Blake Snell is the innings. I should probably move him up um, because he's good when he does pitch and maybe the Padres will use him differently. There's a shot. I'm not oh, sure yeah. of it at all, but it adds a little bit of upside to the him. Uh, Kenta Maeda had you already mentioned with Trevor Bauer. I think he's kind of Trevor Bauer esque. I still like him. Like I'd be perfectly fine taking him in a league, just like other guys more. Um, he had a really easy schedule. It was like his first great, great year where he kind of did everything. Um, and I get that the Dodgers had that weird contract incentive to like not let him pitch, which was odd, but. I, I don't know. He probably is really good, but I don't think he's sub three. He's probably closer to mid three ERA for me. And Lance Lynn, I get he's an accumulator. I have nothing against that. I just think uh, it's more about how I plan on drafting guys. I plan on going starting pitching early and hopefully racking up enough innings uh, so that I don't need to take Lance Lynn to make sure my ratios have a big enough denominator to uh, make the ratio actually good. Because like, if you get three starting pitchers in the first five rounds or something, that or let's call it six rounds, I guess. If you get three part- starting pitchers in the th- first six rounds, like hopefully you feel good enough about your innings pitch that you don't need Lance Lynn. If you, if you don't have an ace by the time it's like Lance, Lyne, Lance Lynn's time to come off the board he might be the perfect pick for you um he's just low based on how i'm drafting uh this year and he because he's such an outlier for everyone else um like it's just he it's really dependent on your team build if you're gonna take him or not so if i if i get screwed and i don't have any starting pitchers and it's like round four or five i'd be fine taking uh lance lynn at that point uh i I think any team will be beneficial having lance lynn i maybe it's it's secure it opens the door for uh anything else moving forward it's not like other guys that are innings accumulators where i want to say i don't know like marco gonzalez kind of but even though that's a six-man rotation though uh so he's actually not going to get as many but uh he gets strikeouts too and he won't hurt your ratios. And that's kind of all you want uh, from, a, from a starting pitcher. Oh, not to mention wins because he's Chicago White Sox now with a great offense. Going to go deep. So it's, you know, there's a lot more security and comfort. Uh, I don't care if it's an SP2 or 3. Like, you get Lance Lynn, you feel good about it. While Glasnow, like, how many innings is he going to go in a game? His fastball curveball are very erratic. Uh, it makes me concerned. Uh, Hyunjin Ryu, that's a, that might be a six-man rotation in Toronto. And uh, the the Jays the Jays uh, signed him saying that they only wanted him for 150 innings back in 2000, uh, well, the winter of 2019 to 20. They know his injury history. They know that they have to be careful with him. So it's another case of, I mean, Lynn versus Ryu, there isn't 
much separating them as far as a skill set. I mean, yeah, Ryu should have a better whip, I imagine. But still, it's, I mean, strikeouts are more plentiful for Lynn. And again, it's a huge, huge amount of volume difference in Lynn versus Ryu. We're talking about a guy that was throwing near, it was essentially at 98 pitches after five innings and went out and completed the sixth last year in Lance Lynn. So uh, to me, we can't put enough of a weight on, on that consistency through the season. Uh, for Lance Lynn, doesn't really matter to me who you've drafted beforehand. He's just going to pad everything in your favor. He, I guess so. But if you do have enough starting pitchers, because uh, Lance Lynn, I th- like he does throw for strikeouts. He has decent ratios, but I do think his greatest attribute is definitely racking up a bunch of innings. So I just think if you have enough other guys that Lance Lynn... You might not need him. Like I'm fine taking really all of these guys except for Walker Bueller so far. It's just that I like a bunch of other guys more as well. Sure. Um, let's let's move on to this next group though. Uh, we've got Steven Strasburg, Sunny Gray, uh, the aforementioned Hyunjin Ryu, Zach Plezak, Max Fried, Jose Barrios, and Kyle Hendricks. Steven Strasburg is my favorite, maybe. Uh, I know it's a huge risk because we just don't know what Carpal Tunnel does to a pitcher. Uh, he's been good in spring so far. Uh, the report says that it was like a 15-minute surgery, which seems really oddly short, but I guess that's a good sign. Um, so, yeah, I- I'm in on Strasburg. He's going 64th overall. What was he going last year, like 30th or something? Like I, I wasn't on board with the 30th, but... I don't see why you should have him ranked too much lower than you did last year. Uh, the injury concerns, I guess, are a little significant, but he seems to be fine in spring. So he's my favorite. Um, so it's uh, it's terrible timing that we're doing this right now because yesterday Steven Strasburg um, had an injury with his left calf, small oh, really? strain. Uh, but uh, it's a weird one because Strasburg hasn't had like lower half injuries before. Um, and they say it's not much of a setback, but it is something already that's questionable about Strasbourg moving forward. Um, mm-hmm. And for not the reason that we thought we were going to be, because uh, it does seem like he was fine with the carpal tunnel, which is something I've actually been saying this entire winter is a, he's going to be fine in that regard. We got to start treating Steven Strasbourg like Steven Strasbourg. Um, so I, I don't know how I'm going to rank him when I update my ranks this week. I uh, will hopefully get more information by then. That is something yeah, to consider. I mean, Another one is is Sonny Gray, who also now is going to miss at least a week of the season uh, with a back injury. So uh, there's already getting the uh, the injury bug here. Yeah, I need to update my rankings soon. I took like the SAT this past week, so I was very busy um, and I didn't really get to update my rankings. But I imagine like Carlos Carrasco and Steven Strasburg, I just haven't had a chance to uh, move according to their injuries. And I didn't know Steven Strasburg was injured. So I will keep that in mind when I'm going through my ranks this week. Um, Sonny Gray, I do think is an interesting one for sure. Um, is there anyone else in this tier you hate or anything? I, I'm or just, just, I'm just proud of you, Jordan, because you have Jose Barrios actually at 38 as opposed to yeah. 26 of the overall rankings. And, <laughs> 
I mean, I don't know if I'm necessarily that far down on Barrios. There are a couple of guys that I that you have above him that I don't, but I'm with you uh, not uh, going for Barrios in the top 30. I think we're all kind of waiting for that breakout season. And even though he increased his velocity on his fastball last year over a tick, his curveball is still this uh, inconsistent offering that is not the overwhelming whiff pitch that we want it to be so badly. Sometimes it is for about a month, and it's wonderful. And then it isn't the next month, and it's terrible. And it's just something you have to deal with through the entire season. He's never had an ERA above, below 3-6. It's, it's kind of crazy. Uh, he will get innings, and you know, like Maeda... The Twins are in a wonderful position atop the AL Central with the White Sox, and then it's not so much after that. But uh, I think I think we're paying a little bit too much for that supposed ceiling for Brias that we've yet to see. Yeah, I agree that Barrios doesn't have enough. It doesn't really have upside. I think we all kind of, at least I think we, I just kind of like understand who he is. Like four, let's call it three point eight ERA maybe, and then like a one, I don't know, like two five whip. Like he seems a little Lance Lynn esque, and he might be one of your uh, final opportunities to get someone who like is seems like a lock for innings. But I don't really see any other than he's done it before. I don't see any reason why he's gonna get more innings than someone like uh, maybe. Dylan Bundy. I, I don't know. I don't like Dylan Bundy, so that might not be <laughs> well, a good example. Well, but yeah, in I, in Brios's favor, there Bundy's likely in a six man, and he has never showcased the ability to stay healthy long enough. Yeah, to it, go Bundy was a so. Bundy was a bad pick for a comp, but I think we're putting too much weight in the fact that Barrios has just showed that he's pitched a lot of innings before. Because like, I don't know how indicative that is moving forward I just kind of think that shows that he's been healthy because every pitcher could very easily have something go wrong and not pitch for not pitch 200 innings any given season right right and I think that definitely like there's no reason it's not like Jacob deGrom where we're just kind of understanding that like this guy's going to pitch a lot of innings like Berrios I don't know it could just go wrong for him um, and mm-hmm. I don't think enough weight is being placed there. Um, we still have a lot of guys to get to. I guess we'll just not talk about uh, that many deep guys. But before we move on to the second half of this preview, we are going to stop for a quick ad. And we are back. So it appears that we won't be able to talk about everybody, but that's okay. I don't think we're missing out too much about Talking about Sean Manaya, I, I don't care too much about him. I think mm-hmm. it's important to spend a lot of time on these early guys rather than the late guys because once you get late enough, you just kind of take who you like. Um, but the early guys, it's I, I guess you also take who you like, but there's definitely more um, subjectivity there. So this next group, it's a lot of young guys that have major innings concerns and Zach Greinke and some other weird, it's very polar, um, but we've got Ian Anderson, Zach Wheeler, Denelson Lamette, Zach Greinke, Chris Paddock, Jesus Lazardo, Dylan Bundy, Charlie Morton, Julio Arias, 
and Sixto Sanchez. That was a lot, but you have the list in front of you. Is there anyone that you like or dislike from this group? I think uh, Zach Wheeler doesn't get quite enough love. I mean, I have him closely ranked at 29, um, but he's really, really good at commanding his heater. And we see last year, we see a sub 20% strikeout rate and go, oh, he's just Zach Wheeler now. He's been hovering 25% strikeout rates for multiple years before that. Had maybe a step back in the strikeout department last year, but I still think he can push 25% with the same gains in ratios that we saw last year, sub three ERA in that time. I think it was 117 whip. There's a lot of potential here, especially once again, volume will be there with Zach Wheeler as they will be pushing Nola and Wheeler through the season in Philadelphia. Zach Wheeler is a really good pitcher. I mean, I, I think we can't understate enough how good his fastball command is. Yes, we need to see that slider take over a bit more, but I'm very much in on Wheeler. And it's uh, it's kind of funny. I've been talking about Lance Lynn in favor and Zach Wheeler now, but not Barrios when it comes to innings. And I think there is a separation in both those first two talents versus uh, as far as consistency in each start versus what we'll see with Barrio. So I feel pretty safe uh, drafting Zach Wheeler, who's, yeah, as my SP3, I think you're going to be happy with that. While you see Lamette right after, and there's so much confusion. I don't know. Is Luzardo is at 33. And I think to myself, well, he didn't really put it together last year. His sinker is still kind of mediocre. And there isn't enough to suggest that this is the season that Luzardo puts it together. And once again, I'm going to make the, the same statement I made with Burns versus Lynn. Burns 150, probably the same with Luzardo. Zach Wheeler and Lance Lynn should be hinting at 200. How much better is that production going to be for Luzardo and or Burns versus Wheeler and Lynn? I don't think it's enough to make me elevate them above those guys. So I have Wheeler inside the top 30. I think he's my favorite of this group. I, I don't mind Wheeler. I think of him pretty similarly to how I think of um, Berrios. I do like him more than Berrios, even though Berrios's ADP is higher. But yeah, Zach Wheeler, he seems like a lock for a bunch of innings. Uh, he might have higher strikeout upside than Berrios too, which is nice. Um, I think his ratios could also be lower which is also nice. Um, so yeah, I, I'm a fan of him. Um, I do think Jesus Lazardo is my favorite. I have nothing really backing it. I just think he seems like he'll be good. It just like, I kind of just feel like he will be good. I don't know why. Um, the only real stat that I can cite is he had that blow up game last year where he like found out he was pitching just like hours before the game. Mm. And if you take that out, his stats were like really solid and he was a rookie. So um, there's no like Arsenal thing or anything there that I'm really excited about. Um, I just feel I, I have a good feeling about him. I have him in my TGFBI uh, team. I think I got him in the ninth round and he was like one of the last good pitchers to me. So um yeah, I like Jesus Lizardo. Don't really have any good reason. Um, but yeah, also Charlie Morton I like a lot as well. Uh, his velocity went back up in the playoffs of last year after uh, his injury was kind of resolved. And I think if the velocity's up, that's just one reason to 
um, think that last year wasn't completely real for him. Um, yeah, yeah what, what do you Morgan think about Morton? Yeah, Morton can hopefully stay healthy. I've actually been higher up on him as well. Uh, I think I have him. I might pull him back slightly because I might be doing, uh, well, uh, not really baking in enough risk with Charlie Morton, but as long as he's pitching, he should be good. And last year, we had him in this inside the top 10 entering the shorting, shorted season. So there's a lot to like about Morton if you get him in the, I don't know, this is 35th starter off the board. I think you're starting to enter the haze of a lot of guys at that point. You might as well go after Morton. I think I will still have him inside the top 30, so I like that pick from you. Yeah. I think a big key to winning fantasy leagues this year is going to be finding guys late in drafts or off of the waiver wire that turn into aces. Um, and I mean, there are some guys late that could do it. Maybe you've, maybe someone like James Paxton returns. Um, this no, there is are just there like, are so many, so many. That's when the, there that's, are, I there agree are a lot you. of guys. The, uh, your leagues are one on the waiver wire. And if you draft, if you draft your team expecting to be dropping a lot of guys from your uh, from your drafted team through the season, which we all do during the year. If you look back at your teams after the 14th round, tell me how many of the guys that you drafted after the 14th round every year that you actually kept through the season. It's very few. And if we go into the draft knowing this and ready to take guys from the waiver wire, you'll be surprised how many of them are productive for your teams through the season. It's a lot. And you should be ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Charlie Moore, I I just think that having an ace is uh, having an ace at not an ace price is a big deal. I think Charlie Morton could be that type of guy. Um, Sure. I mean, there's no guarantee. He's healthy. That's all. That's all. Yeah. You're getting you're getting him at 117 overall. I think the risk is more than baked into that price. So I'm fine with it. Uh, next group, pretty extensive one again. Um, you've got Patrick Corbin, Lance McCullers, Joe Musgrove, Pablo Lopez, uh, Sandy Alcantara, Kevin Gosman, Framber Valdez, who I kind of eliminated from this because uh, the injury, Corey Kluber, Mike Soroka, Marco Gonzalez, Frankie Montas, and David Price. Man, anyone from this tier. group? This it's is, a huge tier. It's the fun um, one. Um, I love Sandy Alcantara. I think Sandy Alcantara's fastball is kind of like Zach Wheeler's in the way that he commands it super well. It will get a lot of outs. It will get through games uh, effectively and not at the cost of your strikeout rate. I think Alcantara and Wheeler are very similar in this way of being possible 25% strikeout guys with like a 3.5 ERA and a 115 whip across 180 innings. Uh, I, I think he's the best of the trio, even though he's going as the last of the trio in Miami uh, and should be someone that everybody is targeting uh, as their SP4 even because you draft Alcantara, you will not drop him the entire season. I also like Patrick Corbin a lot. I think we're really discounting his depressed 2020 season in a very weird year. He did increase his velocity as he went through the year. And 2018 and 19 were legitimate stud seasons, top 15 starter over a large amount of innings. I think Corbin can do the same thing again in 2021. Corey Kluber is primed and ready to go. He's looking so good in spring. 
looking like the Kluber of old for a winning ball club in New York. It's a recipe for success. Uh, if you're talking about finding your ace later in drafts, the fact he's going 154. And this could be a top 20 starter easily. Uh, to me, I'm very much inside of it. I'm not in on uh, Kevin Gaussman, who has had a lot of years of struggling trying to figure out his fastball command uh, and mixing with a splitter that is generally the most volatile pitch in baseball is a split finger as your number two. That is Gaussman's secondary pitch, which means that he doesn't have a strong secondary pitch to throw for strikes constantly. I think he got a bit fortunate last year where he was in rhythm with his four-seamer, had some games where he was throwing 97 with it, and then it came down after that. Uh, there's a lot of risk here in Kevin Gaussman, and much more so than a lot of the other names around him. Pablo Lopez, I'd much rather have Joe Musgrove, Sandy Alcantara, Corbin, pretty much all of these names, say, from Marco Gonzalez and David Price, and yeah, I mean, Framer Valdez, of course not. David Price, even, I think, actually still want more, even though his playing time is still in question. I just think that Gaussman is he's going to be a volatile one um, and you're not going to feel great uh, come say June still having Gaussman on your team. You're not going to know exactly what to do. I like Gaussman. I think he has um, a pretty decent shot at a great K rate and um, he's intriguing. I mean, he's going at 142. If last year was completely real and we had no concerns, he'd be going closer to that Kenta Maeda tier. But um, I do think there are definitely issues with him, but maybe he can overcome them. The one I'm more interested about that you mentioned is Patrick Corbin. Um, So spring stats, we don't really know what they mean, but his velocity has not been great. Um, Is there, is that concerning to you that his velocity is low? Like, is there, I think he might just be kind of washed. It happened really quickly for him. Like he went from being an ace to like, what was it like the worst whip in baseball or something? So, uh, so was... with Patrick Corbin very quickly, um, last year he was throwing about 89 with his fastball. Um, it did improve slightly as the year went on. Uh, and then essentially he struggled putting that fastball inside to right-handers. Um, which then allows him to set up his incredible slider as it would normally have a 25% plus swing strike rate because he throws a fastball inside and then all of a sudden it falls off with the slider and it's really hard to tell the difference. However, when he's not throwing hard enough and nailing that inside location, he has to go away more often, which then doesn't set up that back foot slider to righties, which is why we saw a sub 20% swing strike rate on that slider uh, in 2020. Now, spring training... Uh, it hasn't actually been the depressive velocity. One game it was, another game it wasn't. Um, I think he's kind of gone back and forth a little bit, which is honestly great. <laughs> Spring training is the time when you see this, especially from veterans. Uh, when it comes to assessing velocity specifically, um, I mean, you can even say across the board with your stuff. I treat veterans and young arms uh, completely differently. A young arm is going to be preparing through the entire year and they have something to prove. They have to get that number five spot. They have to showcase that they are, that this is their season and they've been training for it to finally have that breakout year. While a guy like Corbin who has his contract and has done this many times, they have confidence in the process and ramp up. They don't need to prove in that first start that they're at 92 again. 
It's why we see Zach Granke every year is like at 84 until he's at 89. And then we're like, oh, everything is fine. With Corbin, we have to wait here. You have to be patient. The last, the last start before the season begins. So essentially in about two weeks. So he's got three more starts from Corbin. That's when I might be concerned. But the fact that we've already seen 91 from Corbin across his spring training performance, we've already seen it. Uh, it makes me not concerned about Patrick Corbin. And considering he's going at this discount, again, I mean, this is this is kind of crazy. Charlie Morton, Patrick Corbin, Corey Kluber, you could say even Zach Greinke in this group as well. All of these, all these guys are proven aces. And yes, 2020 was weird in many ways, but we're taking a month and we're just like quickly shooting them away because of age. And Corbin isn't even that old uh to be in this group i mean he's low 30s he's like 31 i believe maybe 32 not like the uh, upper 30s of the other guys i mean this is where the, the value lies and i certainly understand those chasing the younger ones the the guys that are just coming up and they're exciting i i'm one of the people that gets amped and uh i buys into the hype of young starters because it's so exciting. I want them to become the next Castillo and Nola and Gallon. Like that's that's my favorite part of this. But we have to recognize, like, if you want to win fantasy, you have to you have to hate kids. You gotta like the adults, the veterans. You gotta go after them. Those are your stable, safe producers. And do not overlook Patrick Corbin, Corey Kluber, Charlie Morton. These are the guys that have showcased this ability before. And they're not just done. Their careers aren't over now. There's a lot more to like for the year ahead. Yeah, I, I Patrick Corbin, I, I'm usually fine with taking older guys like Max Scherzer. Uh, apparently, I'm uh, like with the ADP. We both have him at nine, but I have nothing. Like, I think he's still pretty much like an ace completely. Um, but I don't know. There are definitely more warning signs for Patrick Corbin, I think. Um, and that's concerning to me. Uh, I mean, you are getting him a lot later than last year. Last year, he was probably going at about 35-ish. Now he's going at 125. So you're getting about a 100 pick discount. Like I would, uh, That's definitely something I like, but... I don't know. I, I'm kind of scared that he's just his 2020 was real um, in the beginning of the end for Patrick Corbin. You got to fight the anxiety. You got to you got to push it down. <laughs> take, take those fits, fists and, and break down the brick wall holding you back. OK, it, look, the reason why is at 126 is because of that fear. You got to You got to get over it. It, it. That's how you win. It's never going to be easy. It's never going to be obvious. This is the value. Yeah. This is it. You got to go for Corbin. You might be right, but there are also guys going around him. Like I am excited about Lance McCullers. I I'm am excited too. about Joe Musgrove, Pablo Lopez. Like we've, we've only seen a month of of Musgrove in two seasons uh, of him having success. When all of a sudden he's throwing over fifty percent or forty five percent breakers and uh, of uh, curveballs and sliders. Uh, Pablo Lopez, very interesting. I actually talked to him uh, two days ago. Uh, he told oh, me that cool. he's trying out Rich Hill's curveball, which is like, oh, all right. Well, an adaptation of his grip. 
Um, and uh, we'll see if he is. He's trying to reshape his curveball because his curveball is not a good pitch, and he needs something new there. Uh, and I'm very happy he recognizes it. I I like Pablo. I we can't overlook Corbin. We do. We just can't. I think it's a travesty if we do. And it's 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 it, you're talking about finding those guys later on. Corbin is the one that you should be going for. I uh, I cannot express that enough. But we should probably move on. I'm sorry for, for okay. rambling. No, it's fine. It's fine. Maybe I do need to consider him more. Um, I mean, what you said about setting up his slider with his fastball that might be correct. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> That's kind of the type of complexities that I was talking about earlier that like I don't really understand, but things that I can take from you and hopefully understand at a more at a deeper level. So maybe I just based on purely what you say, like my rankings aren't only my opinion, they're my knowledge combined with just other people that I trust in the industry. So maybe I have to move Corbin up a couple spots. I'm not gonna move him above like other guys that I actually really go with your gut go with your gut jordan you got this yeah i get ah, i i could move him above like pablo lopez and chris paddock i do really like sixto sanchez though and he's the next oh he's fun he is very fun maybe i have to move him up i i guess a couple spots will do just just Um, move down bundy and (laughs) gaussman and that's that's all you gotta do I like Gasman. I like Gasman too. His K rate is can oh. be insane. What do we um, got on the next tier? Yeah, the next tier we have Chris. It's another big one. I had to start making bigger groups so that we could potentially touch on more guys. Um, so this one I would define as being less fun um, than that previous one. How dare uh, we've you? Got, They're really? all you fun. Like this one? They're all okay. fun. Maybe. But I, I think this one has less to offer, maybe. Um, Chris Bassett, Shohei Otani, Herman Marquez, Tristan McKenzie, Dallas Keuchel, Aaron Savale, Zach Eflin, Dustin May, Tyler Molly, Jose Urquidy, Andrew Heaney, Eduardo Rodriguez, Jameson Tyone, and Marcos, Marcus Stroman. I do think there are quite a few interesting guys in this group. Um, but there are also just some that are really extremely boring. Um, anyone that stands out to you? Oh man. So this is the, this is the crew of like, I love or hate them. Um, and I don't even want to say hate. I just am not strategizing to get them on my fantasy teams because the way that I approach these, these drafts, as I mentioned before, it's about getting the four guys that you trust and then, then taking the chances on the other, uh, other four, uh, for your rotation. So this is about the time in the draft where I say, okay, I have the four, maybe even five starters that I know that I'm not going to drop through the season. So then who do I want to take chances on early on uh, in April and May to see, do I want to hold on to these guys or not? And am I going to be exchanging them for something else on the waiver wire? Because I do want to remind everybody in 2019, the last full season we had, Lucas Giolito, Lance Lynn, Brandon Woodruff, Max Freed, Mike Soroka, Zach Gallen. All of those names were after pick 300 in 2019. You got all of those on the waiver wire in 2019. And there's like 25 more. So really put yourself in that position. And I look at this tier and I see a guy like Chris Bassett 
Herman Marquez. Uh, let's see, Zach Eflin, Dustin May, all of those, I have no interest drafting because I don't think they do enough. I don't think that in April I'm going to say to myself, yes, they're doing such a good thing that I'm happy I'm going to hold them for the rest of the year. Chris Bassett just doesn't do enough, I think. Um, while there's Shohei Otani, I want to get Shohei Otani. Is he looking like the top 20 pitcher he was before? Sweet, I'm in. Uh, Tristan McKenzie, I don't know if we're going to be completely sold out of the gates. Uh, given his repertoire, that it's a fastball at 94 that he hasn't showcased great command with yet. Slider curveball, we don't know which breaker is really going to take over. It's a little iffy. Andrew Heaney is a man of constant shifts of, does he have his fastball today? Does he not? Uh, now, there's Jamison Tyone, though, and he is amazing. And all we need to do is see that he's healthy and throwing 94, 95, which he already has been doing 94, at least in spring training. If he can get up to 95 like he was in 2018 and 19, then I am so sold on a Jamison Tyone. And I'll know that early on. So I'm targeting him. Jose Arquiti, he won't have as many innings. Fine. But I'll get the innings that he does get and then trade him out for someone else because I think he's going to bounce back. Tyler Mali, ooh, I want him everywhere. Fastball's up, slider's down. He did it so well in 2020. Finally has an opportunity. Aaron Savali is, has been tweaking and doing all these right things. Uh, changing his grip to his split change, going more four seamers. That's helping him out. He changes arm circle that we talked about with him. And Marcus Stroman is in a position now also where he's made some tweaks that I want to take a chance on. But that's really what you should be thinking is, am I going to be able to see something from them in April that makes me want to hold on to this guy? Am I going to be able to make that decision early? And if you say no, if you look at these guys, like I catch, I just kind of think that's what they are and that's Okay. I don't want to touch them. I want I want to be able to get guys that are going to beat their rank through the season, through the season, and not just be the fifty eighth starter of the year. I don't want that. I want I want other guys then that will hopefully beat that because there will be so many on the wire that are better than the fifty eighth starter. But you have to put yourself in a position so that you can get them. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, but a guy like Herman Marquez. Let me just ask you: Do you see? I, I don't, but do you see much of a difference between him and maybe Jose Barrios? That might Stroman? be just um, Herman Marquez, other than oh, oh, Herman Marquez huh. pitches in cores, but maybe if he well, weren't in cores. Yeah, so so here's the problem the... with Herman Marquez for me is that, um, look, Herman Marquez is worse in cores. It's not even, it's the only like home road split that I care about. Because I think otherwise home road splits are just complete noise and they're just grouping, random groupings that happen to showcase things. So with Marquez, you just don't start him at home. You just don't. Um, unless it's, you know, you're hosting the Diamondbacks and even then they can still do something in cores. Now on the road, sure, I'm okay starting, but then he'll also get the Dodgers on the road. He'll get the Padres on the road. And I don't know if I want to start Herman Marquez for those. Essentially, you'll be starting Marquez for about 40 to 50% of his outings. I don't want a pitcher on my roster that I'm only throwing half of the time. Those are going to be beneficial outings. And if you're like, I'm willing to play that game of getting a, a starter that I'm going to throw for 90 innings, that's going to be a productive 90 innings, but that's going to take my entire roster spot. If that's what you want, fine. Go get, you know, go do the Herman Marquez thing. Honestly, I would say that you can probably find that from a middle reliever. They'll give you 60 to 70 innings of the same thing, if not better for those innings. Uh, that's just the that's the toil the the uh, the struggle you'll have 
with Herman Marquez through the entire season. And I just don't want it. I, I just, that's just as a fantasy manager, that's not how I play the game. I don't want to put myself through those headaches. So I don't touch Herman Marquez. There is always the chance he gets traded, and that would be amazing. But um, yeah, he is yeah, still we keep young. Saying that John Gray, we've been saying that about for years <laughs> too. It's just yeah. the, the Rockies are not. Uh, they are not one of the best run organizations, which is an understatement. So, no, not yeah. at all. Um, so you did list a bunch of very high upside guys in this group. Um, which one stands out most to you? I mean, you got to get Tyone. I agree. I think I think it's ridiculous if you don't get Tyone, you're shooting yourself in the foot, as my old seventh grade math teacher would say. Uh, Aaron Savali is another one too to me that if I can get Tyone and Savali as my sometimes even five and six starters or even four and five, I think I feel great about it. Uh, Savali, I think, has made the right changes to his arm circles. He's he's getting more ride on that fastball. Uh, he's getting a more consistent release point now. Um, he's feeling good about it. We were fortunate enough to talk to him about it. I mean, he's, I I think Savali is only going to get better from last year. And if you for, don't remember, he had a terrible start in his last outing last year, which would have made him a sub four ERA guy if he didn't have it. Uh, short you know, short season will do weird things to our, uh, to our understanding of the 2020 season. So, I think yeah. Savali is just going to get better. And not to mention, Cleveland lets their guys go. And I've been saying this a lot, but innings are a massive weight this year. Savali is going to get a ton of them. Yep. he. I, I like him. I had him a lot of last year in, my, in a fantasy league, and he was fun to own because he was an ace for a good bit. At one point, it definitely stopped happening. Um, and he was not an ace any longer, but... I, I could see him definitely becoming maybe not first five round pick, but maybe a little later top. I, I could see him top 100 in 2022. I think he has potential. Um, his arsenal is pretty cool as well. Absolutely. Yes. Um, we are running low on time. So is there any sleepers that you um, <laughs> are interested in? I would say right now the one name I just keep coming back to is Mike Miner, um, who had a velocity of 90.6 miles per hour last year and is already sitting 92 to 94 this spring. Uh, it's what you want to see. Uh, if you don't remember, he had 199 strikeouts. I'm not going to include that foul ball that he decided he yelled at the catcher to drop so he can get 200 in 2019. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember that, but uh, Mike Miner had yeah 200 strikeouts 2019. Amazing changeup that is only going to get better when he increases that velocity once again. He now pitches for the Royals, which I know is not an exciting thing, but he starts the season against the Rangers, which are one of the worst offenses entering the season. At the very least, last pick in your draft, if you take Mike Miner, just see how that first start goes, see how he's going, and you might want to hold him past that. And don't forget about Madison Bumgarner, who's also increasing his velocity from a low amount last year. It was 88 last season. He's already at 90-plus. Uh, and maybe 91. And if he gets back to 91, honestly, I think Madison Bumgarner can be that solid rock for you through the years. So I'm not going to overlook that. If you want to look for super high upside, though, I mean, I'm a huge John Means guy. Uh, increased his velocity last year. Uh, same with Jordan Montgomery. Both increased their velocities. Uh, I think they both have really good secondary stuff as well. And that could be a huge impact play through the entire season. Yeah, I, I like Jordan Montgomery. 
I kind of think Madison Bumgarner is worse than Patrick Corbin. Um, he's well, yeah, um, he I is. He's, he certainly no, but, is. Uh, we, we've essentially forgotten about him. We've like completely written him off. And I had until I saw that he's getting higher spin rates on his fastball this spring and throwing harder than he was last year, which is so good to see. So hopefully it pans out. Maybe it could lead to something. I definitely don't agree. Um, Mike yeah, Miner? I'm not saying it will, uh, but it's this is this is your last <laughs> round pick, and you're going to see what happens. True. It, yeah, it's your last pick, and I guess it could lead to half of what he was um, when he was at his peak. Um, Mike Miner, I I hadn't thought about him like at all, um, but maybe I have to move him up a little bit. He. I mean, he was really good two years ago. He's just like a legitimately 200. I, I mean, maybe not legitimately, given that his catcher yeah. dropped a foul ball. He yelled um, at his catcher, drop it, because he wanted to get to 200 Ks, and he struck <laughs> the guy out. I think it's kind of great, honestly. Yeah, it, um, I think that's Some people like to discount him for it. But yeah, he, he was good. And I mean, if he has encouraging signs on his velocity, maybe that could lead to something. Um, my favorite sleeper is probably just Drew Smiley. We have no idea what the innings are going to look like, but like if you get rid of, um, innings limits and whatnot, uh, constraints in your splits, he was one of the best pitchers last year in XFIP, ERA, uh, K rate, like K per nine, pretty much everything. He was at least a top 10, if not top three pitcher. Drew Smiley is not a top 10 pitcher, but Maybe he's something. Um, I don't know. He's going at three fifty three. I mean, I'll take it. Smiley is exactly the kind of guy where you get him and you see how his April is. Uh, he threw harder all of a sudden, like two and a half ticks harder. And then it did go down like in his last start. And it was only about a tick or so. But he was saying that his arm felt as good as he was when his teen- he was a teenager for the first time. You know, you know, you know about the soggy arm where he went to Seattle from Tampa Bay. And it's very exciting to see some Drew Smiley. But this could be something where, like, right away, we know it's not the Drew Smiley we want from last year, and you move on. But that's okay. That's all right. Again, last pick. Yeah, Drew Smiley. I'm all for that. All right. Well, that is it for today. We got through a bunch of starting pitchers. Um, Maybe not everybody. So if if you want my opinion on anybody, you can... Just reach out to me on Twitter and I'll give you my opinion. Um, but Nick, do you want to tell people where they can find you, find Pitcher List, everything like that? Sure. Just uh, just tweet at me at Pitcher List uh, if you have any questions, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, you go obviously go to PitcherList.com. But uh, Jordan, thanks so much for having me today. Yeah, it was a blast. And I very much uh, enjoyed speaking with you. I learned a lot. Um, maybe I have to move Patrick Corbin up a few spots. Just a little. When, once just, we're just done. a little, Jordan. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. I'll take a look at my ranks over this weekend. But yeah, I definitely enjoyed this chat. Um, and as always, you can find me on Instagram or Twitter at FOV underscore sports. I'll talk to you next time. But until then, Eisen out. Eisen out.